Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am so glad you are here today. Today, we are going to talk about vulnerability and why, although contrary to some leaders' beliefs, vulnerability is a leadership asset. Now, I know we've been conditioned to believe that leadership is about strength, about winning, about never showing your weaknesses, about being tough. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Exceptional leadership is about connecting with others, about listening. It's about seeking feedback. It's about inspiring people to be their best. And it's hard to do that if you aren't willing to share parts of yourself, willing to share your journey, your mistakes, the challenges that you face, because people want to work for real leaders. They want to connect with real leaders, not this false image of toughness and perfection, which let's face it, none of us really have. We all have insecurities. We all have weaknesses. We all have made mistakes. There's no way that we would be where we are as leaders if we wouldn't have done that. And that's what people want. They want to connect in with that realness because it makes their own struggles feel validated. Like, you know what? Even though I've made a mistake, which challenged in this area, I know if I persevere, I can get through it because look, the leaders who are my role models have done it too, and they're willing to share their battle stories. And so it's a really powerful tool to have in your tool belt, even though it can be really uncomfortable. So I'd like to share a recent experience I had with vulnerability and the impact that it made in two different instances. So the first one was a few weeks ago, I was giving a keynote to young professionals at a conference, and the topic was failure, why you should try it. And I shared my story of substance abuse issues and how I had to bounce back from completely hitting rock bottom and making so many bad decisions in my life that led me to laying on the floor of my apartment, overdosing and $100,000 in debt, and how that failure helped me get to where I am today. In fact, that rock bottom is what got me to where I am today. And so I shared the story of how I embraced that failure, even though I was filled with shame and I hated myself and I was really stuck and it was hard to see a way out. But by embracing it as a failure to learn from, I was able to take actionable steps and get myself out of that situation and start to take personal responsibility for everything that happened in my life to start to understand myself better so that I could figure out why I made the decisions that I made and why I impacted myself and others the way that I did so that I could get out of kind of those low levels of health, that icky place, and become a leader who is worth following. And it was a very emotional story. It still makes me emotional to share it, especially when I talk about my mom and how she helped me. And when I share just how, just in what a dark place I was, it was a really tough time in my life. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. I didn't know what the future would look like. And it was really tough. And I got a little bit emotional on stage as I shared my story. And afterwards, as I was signing books, dozens and dozens of people came up to me and they wanted to share their stories of struggle, of adversity, of addiction, of dealing with parents or siblings or friends who have addiction issues in their lives. And several people got emotional as well. And they really shared how much me sharing my story impacted them and inspired them to make different decisions in their lives. In fact, one young woman sent me a message on LinkedIn and said, you know what? I was afraid of making this big decision in my life and I've been second guessing myself, but I know that it's what I need to do. And your story inspired me to do it. I'm going to go do it right now. Thank you. 
And I really appreciated hearing those things because what it does is it reminds me that people connect through vulnerability. People are inspired by vulnerability. And if by sharing my story, I can help one person improve their lives or make a different decision or go for something that's big or face a a problem that they've been sweeping under the rug, then it's worth it. And that's what leadership is. It's about inspiring people to be their best. And they can't, you cannot do that if you are not willing to share your own challenges, your own struggles, so that people can see, I might be in a really bad place now. I might be really struggling or really challenged, really having a lot of self-doubt, but I can do it. I can do it if I take action, if I take responsibility, if I speak up, whatever it is that you can role model for them through being vulnerable, then they believe that they can do it themselves. It is such a powerful thing. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to get on stage and share your deepest, darkest secrets, right? That's not for everybody. And I recognize that. But sharing a challenge that you had professionally, adversity that you had to come over, something that you faced as a childhood who shaped who you were today, that can help people connect with you and understand you better and tell themselves a different story about you as a leader. People have compassion when they understand where we come from. And that's what we want, empathy and compassion in the workplace. And we can't do that if we are not willing to express vulnerability as leaders and encourage our team to be vulnerable as well. So that brings me to my second example of vulnerability. A few months ago, we had all of our global team in Durango to celebrate each other. Um, We do kind of a Christmas in July kind of a picnic. And so everybody from around the world was here and we were having a meeting and we did an icebreaker to have a little bit of a team building moment. We had several new people on the team and some people haven't seen each other for a year face to face. So we wanted people to connect. And so I asked the team the question, tell a story or a time where something happened to you or you did something that really shaped who you are as an adult. So something from your adolescence or from your teens, but it shaped who you were. And Now, a lot of my team has gone through this with me for years and years and years. So lots of people are comfortable sharing stories and getting vulnerable. But you could see on a few people's faces that they were not comfortable, that this was very concerning. What am I going to have to share? And so I started by sharing a story of how my mom, when I was 12, 11, 12, 13, started going back to college and she would drive 60 miles each way a couple days a week from Montrose, Colorado to Gunnison, Colorado, Western State University, so that she could get her teaching degree. She never finished college after high school, and she really wanted to be a teacher. And so she would make this treacherous drive, especially in the winter, and we would go up there in the summers with her, and we even stayed in the dorms one summer, which was really exciting as a 12-year-old. But I remembered her passion and her drive to create a better life for herself and her crazy hard work to make sure that she was taking care of my brother and me. And it really shaped my work ethic and my desire to go to college because I didn't want to be in my 40s going back to school. I didn't want to struggle like she struggled. And I was also so inspired by her tenacity to get it done. And that shaped a lot of who I was. So I shared that story because that's like an impactful one, but it's not like super scary. Like, okay, I'm sharing my deepest, darkest secrets. And so people went around the room and they shared their stories as well. And a couple people, when I came to them, 
they were like, I don't have a story yet. And I could tell that they were really uncomfortable. And then we'd go a few more people. And then I would say, would you, are you ready to share? And one person said, yes, I'm ready. And then another person was like, nope, I'm not ready. Nope, I'm not ready. And so we came to the very end and I said, okay, are you ready to share? And I saw him take a deep breath and he said, yes. And he told the story about one of his first jobs and some advice his father gave him. And it was so touching. Not only was the story touching, he nailed it. He did such a great job because it definitely helped everybody understand more about his background and how he views work. But it was also inspiring to see somebody who was really uncomfortable build up the courage to tell a personal story, something that felt deeply personal to him, to be able to connect with his colleagues. And so it was beautiful. It was amazing. And everybody walked out and was like, that was such a great icebreaker. It took too long because people do want to share their stories, but it was awesome. And afterwards, he came up to me and he said, you know, that was really uncomfortable for me. I've never done that in the work situation, but I was so inspired by people's stories and it helped me understand them, especially being a new teammate, that I wanted to do it too. And so I hope my story was okay. And I said, your story was perfect. Your story was you. It was what you felt comfortable sharing. And I so appreciate that you found the courage to be able to do it. And he was like, I love this company. I love this team. It's so great to be part of a company with teammates who care about each other. So that is the power of vulnerability. Like it can create a entirely different culture. It gives people the ability to connect with each other. It's paramount for leaders today to integrate vulnerability into their leadership styles and into their culture. Because let's face it, leadership is not about this facade of perfection. It's about being genuine and relatable. Authentic leaders are not afraid to showcase their strengths and acknowledge their weaknesses, acknowledge their flaws. And doing so helps foster a culture of trust and collaboration because people want to work with people who they like, who they know, who they understand. And you cannot do that unless you as a leader show your human side. Share your aspirations, your challenges, your dreams, your setbacks. It's about that shared human experience that says, I understand you. I'm here with you. I see you. We have these shared experiences. Okay, so how do you do it if you're that person who says, mm -mm, no way, not me. I cannot be vulnerable. Well, first of all, you're not alone. A lot of leaders, a lot of people really struggle with vulnerability. And so I want to talk today a little bit about how you can make it not so daunting, but because you can take small steps every day. It doesn't have to be getting on stage and telling your deepest, darkest secrets. All right. So first, start small. You do not have to do a major revelation. You can do a small revelation. Discuss a challenge from earlier in your career or a lesson that you learned when you made a mistake. Talk a little bit about the things that you care about. Admit that you made a mistake. You can make it easier when you start small. So just try it. A little step, a little bit more vulnerable. Get outside that comfort zone just a little. And then over time, you'll be able to be more open about who you are. I didn't tell anyone on my team my story for the first two years that I worked at Stone Age. In fact, when I did finally share it, it was at a team building session where we were building trust and it felt for the first time safe just to say exactly what had happened. And I was so scared. And what it did is it opened up so many more conversations. People were so much more vulnerable about their challenges and their setbacks. And if I wouldn't have done that, it wouldn't have created the safe space to be able to do it. But it didn't just happen 
my first week, hey, guess what, everybody? I'm struggling with addiction and I'm a mess. No, like that's not how you do things. I started by starting small and building that trust and sharing small revelations that made it feel safer and safer and safer until I was ready to share my bigger story. Ask for feedback and act. Asking for feedback is one of the biggest ways to show vulnerability. Why? Because you're asking people to tell you what they think of you, and that can be scary. And it shows that you have vulnerability when you're willing to say, hey, I'm struggling here and I need your help. Can you please give me some feedback on this situation? So asking for feedback is a, another easy, maybe safer way than some big revelation to show vulnerability. The next thing is listen better. And this might seem a little bit odd, but when you listen and you listen to understand, when you listen actively, it helps you understand where others are coming from. And then it allows you to respond with more openness and transparency. If you're not listening and you just assume that you understand what's going on with the person and why a person did something, you know, why a person made a different decision, you are robbing yourself of the opportunity to really understand that person, to build that connection. And then that creates an opportunity for you to say, hey, you know what? I know exactly how you're feeling. Something like this happened to me before too, or I made the same type of mistake. Let's work through it together. But if you don't pause and listen and get to know people and seek to understand, you miss opportunities to connect and share vulnerability. Finally, embrace the unease. It is natural for vulnerability to feel unfamiliar and a little bit scary, but it becomes easier over time. But if you're wanting to avoid feeling uneasy, avoid feeling that discomfort, and you don't embrace it, then you'll never understand. You'll never learn the power of vulnerability. So you know what? Just like anything that's hard in life, you get better at it with practice and it becomes easier with practice, but you cannot do that unless you embrace the unease. Embrace it. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to share this story about myself because I know that it's going to help me connect with you better. It's going to help you understand me better as a leader so that we can work together better. Embrace it, right? You only get good at doing hard things by doing hard things. And vulnerability can be very difficult, but do it. Practice it. It will make your leadership stronger, better, and your company better because your culture can feel safer and more inclusive where people can be themselves and talk about their challenges, their fears, their aspirations, the situation that they're in, the mistakes that they've made. Finally, remember always, always, always that vulnerability is a two-way street. The more open you are, the more open your team will be with you. And that's how you build a powerful team. My team at Stone Age, we've been doing this together for a long time, but we work together so well because we are not afraid to get vulnerable with each other. And it hasn't always been easy and certainly has caused discomfort for certain people, for any of us, really. But we are a stronger team because we all look at vulnerability as a two-way street. We share experiences. We struggle together. We win together. And we do that through vulnerability. Remember that vulnerability is never a weakness. It's always a strength. Always a strength. People connect with authenticity, with transparency, and with vulnerability. They are not just buzzwords. They are significant leadership traits that will drive impact. So Hopefully this has inspired you to be genuine, to be honest, and to be a little bit more vulnerable with your team. It could be a secret ingredient that transforms your leadership. I know that's what happened with me. 
It has absolutely transformed my life and my leadership by being able and willing to share my story, even though it's hard, even though I still sometimes feel embarrassed by it, and even though it still makes me emotional. So I encourage you to try it. Okay, on to my question of the week. So my question comes from a friend of mine who I got to spend some time with over a weekend recently, and we were talking about communication and the importance of being direct and asking for what you want and how you say no. And she said, I want to be direct, but sometimes I'm just afraid that I come across as rude. How can I communicate directly without being rude? And so instilled this great conversation. And so I thought I would share the things that we discussed in the form of some tips. So that way, when you need to be direct and honest, that you do it from a place that builds relationships, that helps people understand you, that allows you to understand people better and doesn't come across as rude. The first instance is when you have to say no. So you can give a hard no or you can give a soft no. So a hard no is when you just say, nope, can't do that. No. And while no can be a complete sentence, and I've said that before, you don't always have to explain yourself. If you want to come across as a person who is interested in building relationships and is caring and not rude, it is helpful to do a soft no. So for example, if someone says, hey, can you take on this task for me? You can say, no, I don't have time for that. Or you could say, you know, I don't have time right now. My plate is completely full. And I don't think that if I took it on, I would do it well. I can't do it right now, but I am willing to brainstorm some alternative solutions for you. Would that work? And then sit down with that person and talk about if there's other ways to delegate that task, if there's other things that they could do to come off their plate, if they just need to be able to have the courage to go talk to their boss about having too much on their plate, taking that 10 minutes to brainstorm with that person can be really helpful. And you still said no, you still protected your time, but you did it in a way that built a relationship. Okay, so next, let's say that you have to deliver some feedback. You can just deliver feedback. Let's say someone's late for meetings all the time and say, you know what, you're late for meetings all the time and it proves that you don't care about this team. That is not effective. That is too blunt, too direct and could be perceived as rude. Instead, remove your emotion from the conversation and talk about facts and observations and ask questions. So here's how you could do it instead. Hey, you've been late to the past few meetings and it can be disruptive to the team because we have to start over again. And I'm just wondering if there's something that's going on. Is there something that I can help you with? Is there something that you'd like to talk about? And that way, maybe we can address why you're late to meetings and see some improvement here. You still are being direct. You're addressing it. You're observing the facts. It's disruptive to the team, but you're not making assumptions about why that person is late to the meeting. And you're not saying you statements like you don't care, which you actually don't know if they don't care. It's just your perception, not a observable fact. Focus on facts, ask questions, and do not make assumptions when you're delivering feedback. That will be much more helpful. When you do give feedback, always remember, I want to be helpful, I want to be kind, and I want to be direct and couch your feedback in those terms. So the next one comes when you are expressing your opinions. A lot of times we can come across as aggressive and rude when we're talking about our opinions. And I recommend using I statements. I think this, I feel this way. That makes it a lot easier to make people feel like you're not making an accusation or casting blame or pointing them out in a conversation, which makes them defensive. So you say, hey, this is what I think. Here's my ideas. 
this is what I'm experiencing. What do you think? And couch it in a way that allows for dialogue rather than I'm right, you're wrong because this is my opinion. You are this way because I think this way. That's not an effective way to communicate your opinion. So do experience shares. Use I terms like I feel, I experience. That's my favorite one. It's really easy to argue with I think and I feel, right? Someone could say, well, you're wrong when you say I think, or someone could say you shouldn't feel that way when you say I feel. But when you say, hey, this is how I'm experiencing this, that's a really good way to be able to express your opinion, but also say, hey, I'm owning that it's my opinion and I might not be right. So it allows for dialogue in a conversation. And then finally, when you are asking for something, this is so important, be considerate and grateful and not commanding or demanding. I think everybody should ask for what they want. It's always a no if you don't ask. It still might be a no if you ask, but you never are going to know if you don't ask. So make those requests, but be grateful, be polite, be considerate. Hey, I really need help with this. Would you have time to be able to help me? Thank you so much. I am so grateful for your help with this. I appreciate it. Can I return the favor? That is so much better than saying, I need this from you and I need it tomorrow. Thank you. That is demanding. That can be perceived as rude. So those are the different things that we talked about. Hopefully that gives you some insight in how to be able to have very direct conversations, to ask for what you want, to say no to something, to give feedback, to express your opinion in a way that builds relationships and creates the opportunity to stay in dialogue rather than turning people off and shutting people down. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Reflect Forward. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm so glad you were here. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to it on YouTube. Subscribe to it on any of the major podcast platforms. Share it with a friend. Rate it. I really appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms. It helps continue to get the word out about this podcast. And I appreciate that so much. And don't forget that we are coming up here close on my book launch, The Ownership Mindset. Oh my gosh, we're going to have so many great events during book launch week. I'm so excited to share all of those with you in upcoming podcast episodes. But in the meantime, if you would be so kind to go onto Amazon or onto Barnes & Noble and pre-order a copy of my book, I would so appreciate it. We're getting close to the goal that I need to hit. I'm trying to get the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. And it's a lot of work. That's a lot of individual books to sell. And every single one matters and you matter. And I appreciate your support so much. So just search for The Ownership Mindset, Carrie Siggins on Amazon or on Barnes & Noble and you will find it. Thank you again. And I'll see you next week. 